Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the images that I remember as a young child was a dark blue miniature barrel-like container with a picture on it of a young girl carrying the same blue container and an umbrella. Maybe you remember that. The words on the container were, when it rains, it pours. It was a box of Morton salt. Now, I have to tell you as a youngster, I didn't really care and really understand what the words really meant. All I was really interested in was the empty container could be like a miniature drum, or you could actually open and close the pouring spout, and it would make all kinds of weird sounds and noises while it was doing it. But then the day came that I picked up a salt shaker and I unsuccessfully tried to shake salt out of it, and guess what? Nothing came out, and I realized that what that saying, when it rains, it pours, really meant. You see, if the salt couldn't be poured out, it was of no use. This morning, our gospel lesson comes from the Sermon on the Mount, and you may recall from last week, the Sermon on the Mount is a blueprint for Christian living. It's kind of an extreme makeover, you see, of our hearts and our minds. And last Sunday, in Christ's words of the Beatitudes, we learned of a character and an attitude of a Christian heart. One, one that is humble and meek and merciful and pure. The attitudes end with a warning, however, that this life and living this life is not going to be easy and that often we will risk rejection and opposition from the society in which we live. But now in these next verses you see in our gospel lesson, Jesus does not allow us to just sort of withdraw from the world and to use rejection as perhaps as an excuse to isolate ourselves. Rather, he describes the impact that you and I are to have on the world with two metaphors, salt and light. And because we are to be salt and light, we may run the very real risk of being opposed or rejecting rejected by those who are around us when we stand up for what we believe. And many in our world, as you know, would like us as people of God to keep our faith to ourselves, to mind our own business. But Christ's call for you and me on this day is to be salt and light to the world. How then can we live as the blessed or happy ones of the Beatitudes and citizens of the kingdom of God People perhaps not of this world, but yet be people in this world who have a true impact and influence on those around us. Now, I have to tell you, in this health and diet consciousness of the 21st century, salt has fallen out of favor. We are told to limit our intake, keep away from it, keep away from food products that have a lot of salt in them. And I have to tell you, I don't do real well with this. You see, I like the taste of salt. But in the very beginnings of human progress, salt was a very valued and important commodity. Some of the oldest trade routes were created for traffic of salt. Some of the people used in Europe used cakes of salt as currency, and Roman soldiers sometimes were paid with salt. Our word salary comes from the Latin word sal, which means salt. For many civilizations of old, salt was considered to be a gift of the gods. 
Salt both preserved food and gave food savor. And because of this, salt took on a very symbolic significance. As an element of a savory meal, it was also associated with hospitality. And used as a preservative, you see, it was associated with durability and purity. In Leviticus, the Lord commands the people of Israel, with all your offerings you shall offer salt. And Numbers speaks of a covenant of salt. Here you see salt becomes a fitting and enduring compact, an enduring idea of a relationship with God. In 2 Kings, Elisha purifies a spring in Jericho with salt. Purity, hospitality, fidelity, purifying. This is all the image of salt in our Bible. And now we hear these words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, that in living the Christian life, we are to be salt of the earth. And we see in the symbolism, you see, of salt, that our influence in this world is to be one of purifying and healing and hospitality and preservation. But for us, to be salt to the world means that we first have to find the salt within ourselves. And Jesus warns us that if we lose our saltiness, that we are good for nothing. And the words may be hard to digest, but, one, but ones that tell us, you see, that the grace we have received in Christ compels us to encounter society and the world with our salt. And the question becomes, well then, what, what is this salt? Where does it come from? And it's right here. It's right here today. The gospel message of Christ. The message that he reconciled us to himself and the world. It's leading a life that reflects the beatitudes that we heard last week of meekness and mercy and humbleness and purity of spirit. It is leading a life that spreads salt with abandon, with abundance. And it is with this salt that makes the food and substance of life Life itself filled with savor and taste. The salt won't do any good, you see, if it's kept inside of us. Like the picture on the Morton salt label, the salt is to pour out. And sometimes, you see, that seems easier when things are going well, when life seems to be going our way. But how about when the storms of life hit you and me? When the rainwaters, you see, of hurt and sorrow and discouragement and disappointment land upon us. Does our salt then just stick and cake together as in a salt shaker? And instead of pouring, just clog up inside us to where we eventually lose our own saltiness. I think it's at those times there's a temptation to look around for salt substitutes. Have you ever tried salt substitutes? I'm sick. They promises of true salt, but it is a sham. But you see, our world offers salt substitutes. And often they are obvious messages of pleasure and fame and fortune, but sometimes they can be subtle also. Often hidden in those words that people proclaim and call the gospel, these are words that promise abundance, promise the good life, any and all kinds of blessings. You see, if we will just get our attitude right with God, if we will just make a vow or a covenant, usually a donation of money, Follow some slick recipe or rules for happiness and rightness with God. Were it so, 
were it so easy, but it is not. The gift of grace is a free gift. But Christ tells us again and again in the Sermon on the Mount that leading the Christian life because of this grace, pouring and spreading out this salt on the earth will not be easy. Jesus warns us not to be fooled into letting the forces of this world make the salt in our lives tasteless. But there's one more aspect of salt. I think you'll all recognize it. Have you ever gotten salt into a cut or into a wound? It stings and it burns like crazy. And we are cautioned, don't rub salt into the wound. If you try to ignore a cut, you certainly can't ignore it when the salt hits it. Our society and our world is full of cuts and wounds, cuts and wounds of poverty and injustice, indifference, discrimination, cuts and wounds that often we choose to ignore. The call to be the salt of the earth, I believe, is a call to rub salt into those wounds when we encounter them, to expose them to make our towns and our cities and our society recognize the hurt and to make all of us begin the healing process. We are to be, you see, Jesus says, the salt of the earth. But in today's gospel, Christ uses a second metaphor in how we are to be in it is light, light of the world. And we take life for granted these days. Electricity can be turned on any time of the night and if we have an outage, oh my gosh, for 20 minutes we don't know what to do. But it was not always so. In ancient times, until well past the Middle Ages, darkness and night were times of anxiousness, times that were ruled by demons and devils and evil. Darkness was synonymous with fear and chaos. And so we read at the beginning of creation in Genesis, we are told that the earth was without hope, covered the face of the deep. The Hebrew for darkness, kosha, means intense darkness, a place of confusion and dread. To remove the darkness, the confusion, what did God do? He creates light at the very beginning of creation, making order from chaos. But the sin of humankind brought darkness and confusion back into this world, and sin plunged our very souls back into the dark abyss of an existence lacking purpose and meaning. And so it was with the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, this God incarnate, that the full light of God was returned to this world. It was this Jesus that we are told in 1 Peter called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And it is his light that must shine through you and me as we are called, not just to be salt, but to be the light of the world. My question to you today is, do people see the light of Christ in you and in me? Do they see the glory of our Father in heaven? Or as Christ warns against, do we hide our light, you see, under these own versions of ourselves that are like bushels, a bushel basket? And why is it then that our gospel lights are so often hidden within the briefcase or the purse or the book sack of our everyday lives? Some of you may think, you know, I really don't know what to say. I have a hard time putting my faith into words. I'm no theologian. What if someone asks the question, if that is how you feel, 
you're in good company. Because no less figures than Moses and Jeremiah and many other prophets had the same problem. Jonah even said, not only not me, but I'm going to run away. Jesus is sending you and I as lights to move nations. But we are sent as a gospel light to a friend, a neighbor, a loved one, a co-worker, perhaps a stranger we encounter, to move them into the light of God's grace. God will lift us up, you see, for the task. Finally, for our gospel lights to shine brightly, we need to be nourished, fed, and refreshed. With all the brokenness of sin that the world and our society places in our way, it is easy to let the gospel light become dim from neglect or overwhelmed with the cares and demands of this world. That is why we gather in this place, this church as a community of faith. In one of our prayer liturgies, we ask God, let your light scatter the darkness and shine within your people here. You see, we are here in this place together to encourage each other, to build each other up, so that we leave here strengthened and refreshed with our gospel light shining brightly. Will you spend some time this week in contemplation and in prayer seeking God's will for your life? How you might be salt and light for the world? That the world might see and taste the goodness of the Lord. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Which passes all human